as the kids are making their way for Children's Church, I uh, want to just highlight that, that last week when we encountered the Scriptures, we looked to a passage, an isolated passage in Job, where, where God begins to speak about creation. And, and we, will, we will lean on creation to some extent this morning, but I want to talk about a different aspect in which God is king over, because God is king over everything. But when we break it down into smaller pieces, we begin to see his hand and how important it is for us to respect his lordship over every single aspect of life. And so this morning, as we get into the message, I hope that you'll see this. The time signature of God is something that we cannot avoid when we see scripture, that it is that there is no accidental thing that is happening with regard to time, that there's a measure of you being where you are, when you are on purpose. And that, that being said, I would have you turn with me in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 1, verse number 1. I'm going to read a verse this morning, and then I'm going to talk about a whole bunch more. So as you get to Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, if you will stand in honor of God's word. Genesis chapter 1, verse number 1 reads this way. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Would you pray with me? Lord, we thank you that when we come to Scripture, we are reminded that your authoritative authoritative nature over all of creation and your authority is is robust because you are the author of all of this lord let us submit let us as a result of your grace find the opportunity for obedience lord we thank you lord as we look to this lord that we might we might recognize that when we are matters we ask for this in jesus name amen Oftentimes when we read Genesis chapter 1, which is a, a set of verses that I have studied robustly, the, the measure of, of opportunity to learn things in school presented me an opportunity to take a course. And, and what I'm about to say, some of you will have no idea what it means, but um, I spent a semester in seminary just working on a, an exegesis course over Genesis, but studied in Hebrew. And so most of you are like, okay, what does that even mean? Well, you know, that's an exegetical study where we just look verse by verse and we begin to break down all of it in its language. And so the course was really fascinating, but it was terrifying because when you know a little bit about language, you probably know just enough to, to, to pick some of it apart, but not enough to know all of it. And so each week when we would come to lecture, the professor would say, okay, we're going to, we're leaving off here so you need to be prepared and you need to translate all the rest of this so that when we get to to next week when we or next class session when we come to class, that you're going to take three verses and you're going to translate them from Hebrew into English and you're going to parse the verbs where necessary. And people are like, I don't know what that means. That means breaking down their tense and all the different pieces that go with that. And so it's been a long time since I've done any of that. But I remember that, that the course load was so robust that there were times where he would say, if he, if he called on you, it was just wherever you were at. So you kind of had to be ready for that. But if you volunteered, you could kind of get ahead of him and say, well, I know this pretty good. So that was my strategy. My strategy was is I would pick, you know, nine or so verses and get that all sorted out. Man, if we got into 12 or 15 verses or, or even further and I hadn't prepared for that, I would keep my head down. As a result, we saw really cool things dance off the page when we studied this, though. And the first verse is oftentimes we, we look hard about the heavens and the earth part, and we talked a lot about God creating those things. 
But there's a word in here that I think gets overlooked frequently. And it's the word beginning. The word beginning here gives us a, a picture of something happening that we can't wrap our heads around because when we were born, somebody wrote down on a piece of paper the date and the time and your weight. And then whatever name your parents decided to give you went on that piece of paper, and this is the record of you. We have never lived in a construct that was outside of time. We have only existed in this very first thing that God did, which was when he started everything, he gave it a time signature. And I always like to tell people, people will say, you say, say what did God create first? And they're like, the heavens and the earth. And I'm like, I think he created time first because he's outside of it. And he starts the clock ticking so that you have a measurement for your days, so that you understand the length of your life, you understand the reasons to celebrate, anniversaries and birthdays and all the things that come up. And time is, is the way that we govern ourselves, understanding how much has passed and how much we believe we have left. But when we look to this, I want to talk about something very important. Because most of us are philosophically kind of lightweight with weights when it comes to understanding things about God. And, and I don't mean to insult you. I just mean that most of us haven't given it enough thought. But you realize it's important to see the what. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, the what matters. And you say, well, what does that mean? Okay, well, and it's kind of a pun, and it wasn't supposed to be punny, but, you know, apparently I'm good at that. But the what is the matter. And you say, okay, stay with me. I learned this in a science course some years ago that basic, all of basic living matter is, is made up of a handful of, of, of key elements, carbon and hydrogen and oxygen, nitrogen, sulfur, and phosphorus. And, and I know I don't always get them in the right order, but whenever you talk about it in this, you're like, okay, so if you're alive or you know anything that's living, then the matter is important. You are made up of a number of things and there's a, a DNA to you and, and your matter consists, consists because God called it into existence. And that's important. The what is important. You are important. But that's only part of the story. Because if we have you or we have the matter in the universe and we have everything that God created, but we don't have a place to put it, then it doesn't make any sense, does it? So God creates the platform by which everything exists, and he creates a platform where everything exists. So the space matters. And you might think that that's important, and I want you to hear me very clearly, but if you don't realize that the magnitude of this story is, is that when God says these just simple words just in Genesis chapter 1, he's giving us a when, he's giving us a what, and he's giving us a where. And the where matters. You are in a place in the, in the universe where if our planet was any closer to the sun, we'd be fried to a crisp. If we were any further away, we'd be frozen solid. But you exist just far enough away from the sun so that you can have your whole life. And yeah, when it's 105, you can complain. And when it's zero, you can complain, but you can survive. But if God hadn't placed the earth right where he placed it, you wouldn't exist. So not only did he create the stuff that it's made of, but he created the where that it was going to live. You know, our, our great efforts to go into the outer 
space and, and look across it with these great telescopes and all this measure of trying to find these things. And they call them Goldilocks planets or Goldilocks zones in the, in the known universe. And it's, we have all these hypotheticals about places that we will never get to because they are too far away from us to ever get there. And I think God put them outside of our reach on purpose so that we might learn to be content with this one. Because I, I would suggest to you that some people have been planning how to get away from here for a long time. But you can't run away from this. Not in your lifetime, you can't. The future, we talk about, you know, NASA it, it, a couple of years ago decided that they were going to do away with the shuttle program, and that was a big bummer to me because I had always known it growing up. I can remember being a child, the day that, that the shuttle exploded, my classmates went out to watch it. I, we lived in Florida at the time. Dad was stationed there in the Navy, and, and I just happened to be homesick. I don't even know with what. My classmates all watched that thing erupt in the sky. And then we, we just ran right back out there after Challenger, and we tried it again. And, we, and shuttle program was a big part of, of growing up. We're like, man, we're doing something amazing. We're leaving planet Earth, and we're just circling the globe. NASA said, we're done doing that. We're going to try to go further. And so Mars is their next target. They have not found any reason to believe we can live there, although they would like to make lots of excuses up. And all this to say this, God's pretty amazing. Because he made this place perfect to sustain every single person in here. And he does it in one sentence. Well, the most compelling part for the rest of today's talk is, is about the when. Because it says in the beginning, and he starts everything in motion, and he gives us this outstanding framework. And he goes throughout the chapter, and, and if you want to follow along, you're welcome to. But in verse number three, he says, let there be light. And there was light. And then verse number six, he says, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. Lots of ink has been spilled on what that means. I can tell you my theory, but we'll talk about it later. He goes down on to verse number 11. It says, let the earth bring forth grass, the herb of the field that yields seed and the fruit trees that yield fruit according to their kinds. He goes on into verse 14. He says, let there be lights in the firmaments of the heavens to divide the day from the night and let them be for signs and seasons and for days and years. Verse 20, let the waters around them and all these things. And I, I could read them all to you and you're familiar with the account, right? The days of creation. But there's something that happens at the end of each of those paragraphs that I want you to see. At the end of verse number five, it says, Evening in the morning, or so the evening in the morning were the first day. And then it goes on at the end of verse number eight to tell us about the second day. And then it goes on at the end of verse 13 to talk about, or verse 13 to talk about the third day, and verse 19 to talk about the fourth day. And he goes through all six days. And he makes a when, a construct by which this world that we have it, inhabit was created. And he does it and he puts a time signature on it. And from then on, the clock is ticking. And it's important. It's important for lots, of, lots of, of things for us to consider. But some things always made my head hurt, and I've talked about it a lot, and I've even shared it here. But I'll go back and revisit it because I believe repetition is the benchmark of all good learning. On the second day, when he makes light, he has not yet made the sun, moon, and stars. Light exists when 
before sun, moon, and stars. And then he gives us the way to track it later. When he makes all the living creatures, he gets to his, his pinnacle achievement, in my opinion, if that's possible to say, and it may be, it may be under or overselling the matter. When he gets to the, the second thing that he does in, in day six, in verse number 26, he says, Let's, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. He says, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And he, he creates mankind. And man is, his, is the last piece, right? And you see this picture of his creative work at the summary of it. He has made all this stuff and then he creates man. And he says, man will have dominion over everything down here. And then man proceeds to mess it up. Shortly into the life of man, man, man does what man does. Adam and Eve, they sin, and God causes a great amount of labor to be, to be now born into the sweat of your life. I, I don't know about you, but how many of you have labored outside in the last couple of weeks, and you thought to yourself, man, it's hot, and there's sweat, and all the while you're thinking to yourself, man, I can't wait for fall or for spring, you know, for cooler weather so that I can do these projects and not sweat so much. But you know that it was God who made it very clear that because we, we butchered this, that we would earn all of this life by our sweat. It's our mistake, so don't blame God when it's hot outside and why you sweat to earn your living. Blame man. And you say, Brother Ben, this is, this is you know, depressing. Well, yeah, it's depressing that God made it perfect and then we messed it up. But when he makes it matters. I want you to look, um, if, you're, if you're willing to follow me, I did not give these verses to ProPresenter, but if you're willing to follow with me, I'm going to give you a few more verses to consider about the when. Exodus chapter 3, verse number 14, and if you're, if you're willing to turn in your Bibles, you can do that or I'll just read it for you. When I was coming up, I had a pastor, Brother Ernie Gill, that, man, I asked him one time in sermon preparation, how, many, how do you know how many cross-references are too many for one sermon? He says, when I get to about eight, I know I should, I should probably stop. And we learned our Bibles. We learned our Bibles because he would say turn and we would turn. And, it, and sometimes it would sound like a sandstorm, people flipping through their Bibles. But we would find out how to get to and from in the Bible because we would have to go back and forth. Exodus chapter 3 verse 14 says this, And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Thus you, sh you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. And in a pivotal moment in, in time, the children of Israel are in bondage and God is leaning in because he hears the prayers of his people. And when Moses says, by what authority shall I go to help these people? And the authority that he's given is God saying, when they ask you who sent you, just tell them I am sent you. And in this moment, he begins to declare his existence. And this is important. This is one of the hardest words to translate in any language to be I am. Why? Because it's a functionality of existence that is not past, it is not present, it is not future, it is always. And this is a picture of God. You know, one of the things that in my studies that really messed my head up is that I began to think of God in the terms of him being always present. This is an attribute of God, by the way, that we don't share. Not in the sensation that we cannot always be as God has always been. And there are attributes of God that he doesn't share with us, and there are attributes of God that he does share with us. And one of those that he doesn't share with us is his always. 
Now, the eternity to come for us leans us into getting a little slice of it, but not having all of it. And I know all this is like big, big picture stuff, right? But I want you to think with me simply here. We saw a moment ago that God was present before time and he created everything. Look at your neighbor and say, God created everything. Okay. When did he do it? In the beginning, right? That same God is outside of time. And because he's outside of time and because he is the great I am, he is also the same God who is present even now and is present in the future and is present in, in Revelation, which we'll see a picture of here in a few minutes. And when we get to that picture, we'll see that that God who was present at creation was also present then. And he is, in, in my estimation, in my understanding of Scripture, he is already receiving the praises of the saints who are, who are redeemed by his blood at creation because he's outside of time. He understands the outcome of all of it. And it, man, that melted my head when I heard, when I really started to wrap my head around it, when I heard that, I was like, how is that possible? But how is it not possible if he's outside of time? So let me now mess with your head a little bit. If God, who is outside of time, and he knows how it's going to turn out, if, if he is this, and I believe that he is this, then you're not a mistake because he made you in spite of all the things you were going to do wrong anyway. You can't surprise him with your bad choices. And you can't surprise him with your life that you don't execute with precision. And not, neither can any of the other people out there that have done sinful or wicked things in their life. And yet God still made you because he is who he is when he is always. And when he says before Moses, when they ask you who sent you, you tell them I am sent you. And I, I think it would probably be very hard for Moses to walk up and say, he is sent me. But when you begin to realize that you were not a mistake and that you were created on purpose because God is outside of time, aren't you glad he is? Because he is right now what you need from him. And he will be tomorrow what you need. And he was yesterday what you needed. He is. The scriptures go on to tell us another story. In the Psalms, we see a picture that, that tells us a story that oftentimes people misunderstand and, and grossly try to mistranslate or try to use it. And I know I'm going to read you one verse, but I, I just challenge you always to go back and look at the context but in Psalm chapter 90, verse number four, it says, for a thousand years in your sight are like yesterday when it, when it is past and like a watch in the night and it begins to talk about how God looks upon this. And scripture in a couple different places talks about this picture of, of a day feeling like to God for a very long period of time or like nothing. And then it, oftentimes what happens is that when you read verses like this, what you'll do is you'll go back and you'll try to apply them to Genesis chapter one where he said day one, day two, day three. And they'll say, but that was like a thousand years. I'm gonna just destroy that. If you're into that theory, I wanna just smash it with a hammer right now, okay? If you believe that the first week of creation is more than just a week, let me break your heart in a good way. If you believe that that time span represents several thousand years, then you have just dated the sin and fall of mankind and the fall of grace of, of the devil and, and all that's happening into the wrong timestamp. And you have put them there out of order. 
And so if it's anything besides just one day at a time, then you are, you are, you are messing with the timetable in a way and you don't have permission to do that. So when we read Genesis chapter 1, we see one day, we know it's one day. It's never used to describe a period longer than that or shorter than that. When we get to this part in the Psalms, what it's saying to us is that God can do infinitely more with one day than you can do. And that God can do, can do so much in the course. You know, sometimes when I look at people, I tell them one of the currencies you cannot be bankrupt in in this world is time. There's a couple, by the way. One of them is trust. If you are bankrupt in time, you've got a problem you can't fix because you're not in charge of time. If you're bankrupt in trust, you've got a problem as well because it's hard to manufacture it. And you're gonna say, well, I can do nothing to help you reconstruct time, but what I can say is be a good steward of it. People say things like, I'm just killing some time. Man, I hate that. I'm just wasting some time. Man, do not waste it. God puts you where you are on purpose. Use that time. He intends for you to use it. I'm not saying don't rest. What I'm saying is rest intentionally. Be smart about your time. But if you want to know how to fix your trust issues, well, let me help you. This, I believe I can give you a little advice on, and it's completely outside of the scope of this morning's sermon. But if you have trust issues with the people around you, they don't trust you, you need to be consistently doing the right things over and over and over again to reestablish trust. It comes with many right actions that you overcome many broken, any one broken thing. So if you're in this room and you say, why don't you trust me? Do lots of good things in a row. Over and over and over, repetitive good action. Because people look at your character. It's not what you say, it's what you do. Do that in the time that God has given you and you will be, you will be noteworthy. For a thousand years in your sight are like yesterday when it is past. I always think to myself when I, I consider the magnitude of God in the time signature that you exist and I exist in a framework that seems like a very short thing to God. You know, the older you get, they always said, man, it seems like it zips by, right? I mean, I'm looking at it and now we have social media to remind us of all the things that have happened over the course of so many years. There's some important dates to pop up on my calendar where it seems like that's a busy week for me and I get lots of reminders about all the things that have happened. Man, a year ago, last week, I broke the news that I was moving here to the folks in Texas. But it doesn't seem like a year to me. And it's amazing how it just disappeared. It just disappeared. A year, some of you are like, man, it's already the middle, almost the end of August. 2023, we're on the downhill slide. It'll be time to file taxes before you know it. I know some of you are like, why'd you bring that up? Well, there's still a little hope that you can start collecting receipts if you haven't for the end of this year, right? The scripture, and you know, and looking back to Job, chapter 36, verse 26 says, says, Behold, God is great, and we do not know him, nor can we number his years. We, we see this picture. The number of his years are undiscoverable to us. There's this measure of God's depth of when he is. 
And, and you say, well, this, this all seems good and well. Well, one last verse I want to share with you before I, I bring this to a point. And I realize that today is kind of an interesting thing because the, the, the nature of this, I'm going to give you all the points at the very end and you can, you can scold me later when you don't have enough time to write them all down. Revelation chapter 1, verse number 8, it actually appears, this statement appears a couple of times in Revelation, but we get, we've seen the beginning of the book in Genesis, and we see how we collectively have organized the text, and, and at the end of Revelation, um, when we get to the last book, in the very opening chapter of that book, it says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. You see, there's coming a, pi- a picture in our lives where we'll begin to understand the magnitude of time differently because when the end comes that'll be the end of this clock and all of this and there's a a picture of a finite reality so we we oftentimes can't consider the possibility of living to, to a finite end of time but if God starts time God can stop time and there's a magnitude in it that we don't fully understand. And when he says that he is the bookends to the clock, man, is there anybody in this room that's ever late for anything? Don't answer for your neighbor. I, we watched something recently, me and the kids did, and um, some, some bit of fiction, and it was like somebody's breaking up with a group, and they're like, well, the upside of this is that now we can be on time for things. Some of you have one of those in your household, don't point. Some of you are one of those in, in your household. This, you know, time for confession comes later, but the, the magnitude is this. We oftentimes forget that while we have some power over our time, we oftentimes forget who it is who set the time. One author puts it this way and says, he says very clearly that, that ink is the, the ink of God's pen is time, that he writes with it, the number of your days. And I thought, man, that's a beautiful picture. If you want to take some notes this morning, and I, and I, I, I kind of bottled them all up for you all at once here, and, and number one would be, um, and you can bring it up, right, is God created what everything would be made of, and that's matter, and I've already talked about that. I know some of you are like, don't go too fast. And then God created what everything Oh, excuse me, I said that. But then God created when the matter would exist, and that's time, and that's important. And then number three is God created where the what and the when would be placed, and that's space. So you can't have something if you don't have a place to put it. And you can't have some place to put it if you don't have a when to put it. And oftentimes, how many of you are, are familiar with the great and, and powerful Oz? You know, you've seen the movie? The Wizard of Oz? I know you're like, where is he going with this? You've heard the song Somewhere Over the Rainbow, right? I always thought it would be interesting if we rewrote those words to say some when over the rainbow or some what over the rainbow. You see, we have this, this picture of being able to go wherever we want to go, but we can't go whenever we want to go. We're tied to that. And we can't redefine the what because we are who we are. But the where, that's pretty cool. When you look at God's picture, and and point number four, and kind of the summary of this this morning and drawing it to an opportunity for us to respond, is that God made you 
who you are, when you are. To know him. It's where you are to know him. I, I, I just, the, the magnitude of this thought is important to me. Because in listening to some people, better minds than me, talk about this. I was thinking about this a lot. If God doesn't make mistakes in time, then the when you are matters. So much so that you need to hear this next statement. I believe beyond a shadow of a doubt that when you were created, you were created by God because he knew it would be the best opportunity for you to know him. Regardless of what has happened in your life, happening in your life, or what will happen in your life, he knows that this is the best opportunity for you to know him. It was not inconsequential that he, he breathed you into existence and gave you life. You might say, Brother Ben, you don't know the hard things I've been through in my life. And I'd say, I don't, you're right. And I don't know that I could possibly identify with them even if I did know all of them. But what I do know is, is that I believe in God and I believe that God has created things on purpose and in the time signature that they are in and that there are no accidents when it comes to people existing. And as a result, whatever difficult things you've been through or whatever great celebrations you've had in your life, whatever momentous opportunities you've had to do, whatever tasks God has given before you to do, understand that when you are is important. Because it's right now that you have this opportunity. I'll never forget it. It's really, really just frozen in my mind. A friend of mine is doing some, some kind of really cool stuff at a camp we're at. And, and some of the students this week that were here on Wednesday night got a chance to see a, a magician do it on a video. And in my opinion, his explanation of it was good, but it wasn't as good as my friend. My friend, he, he takes a, a phone book out. And it devastates me when I tell this story because, because the magic trick is cool. But what he had to say after it leveled the playing field. He has all these folders up on the wall. And they're taped up on the wall and they've been there all night. And he's been doing variety stuff and entertaining the kids and we've been having a good time. It's the late night stuff at camp. And he takes this phone book from the Houston metro area and he brings it out and this thing is like this big. I know some of you are like, what's a phone book? It's like this big. And he asks campers to come up on the stage, and he says, turn to a page. And so one kid turns to a page, he's like, thanks, go have a seat. And then he asks another kid, he says, pick one side or the other, and so somebody does. And then the next kid picks another of the column, and then so you're down to like from, from the whole book to two pages to three columns to one column, and then one kid picks a number, and he puts his finger on the number. And he says the number out loud. And then he just starts talking about the magnitude of how many numbers are in that phone book. And he starts unfolding the folders. And the number is identical. And he, we're like, how did he do that? But, but that's not what got me. I mean, that was cool. And we were all like, wow. But what he said next broke my heart because he just said it just so simply and so plainly, and it was, it was just, it was so amazing. He said, of all the people in all the world, of all the places you could be right now, you're here. Think about all the things that have to happen for all of these people to be here right now, and then reduce that down to just you, and realize that you're in a place right here, right now, and God has made it possible for you to hear these things about him, 
today at 11.24 in August in Oklahoma. And some of you are like, okay, I'm starting to feel it. And then imagine the truth that comes next is that if God made you who you are, when you are, and where you are, he did it so that you could know him. And right today, you get an opportunity to know a little bit more about this God who made you right now because he is the king over time. And you get an opportunity to respond to him. So today you might be in this place and you might have a magnitude or a truckload of things that you don't know what to do with in your life and you need to come and talk to the king of time and just tell him about all this stuff. You're welcome to come in a few moments. But today you might be in this place saying, I don't know that I believe in God, but man, there's something today that makes me feel a little differently and I want to talk to somebody about it. I'll be here. I know that in you know, a few moments we'll stand and even I'll ask Brother Boyd to go stand at the back if you want to talk to him or Ted to come and you could talk to any of us. You could come and ask us about this God who aligns things like this, that you are when you are and where you are right now this morning on purpose. Some of your decisions had something to do with it? Certainly but all of the framework is built on God's work. All of it. And there's nothing, there's nothing and in this moment that's more important than knowing him. So I'm going to ask you to stand with me. Just an introductory discussion today. I know there's a great more to the story about knowing who this God is. And there's a lot more to be said about his sacrifice. And, and I, I won't preach a second sermon here, but I will tell you that if you want to know more about this, come and talk. We're going to pray. Would you bow with me? Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to be here today. That you have a range of details so that we could be here. I know that there are some in this room that maybe would have rather been somewhere else, but they're here. I know there are some, Lord that we're eager to be here. Lord, I know there are some that were curious but not sure. Lord, I ask that in all of their lives and all of their hearts, they would hear the truth that you are the beginning and the end and that you made all of this on purpose and that every single one of us, no matter what we're going through, that we are meant to be here. By your hand, we're meant to be here. And I pray that we would want to know you more as a result of this. Lord, because I believe the wind matters. I believe the scripture backs that up. I ask, Lord, that we would hear you this morning calling out to us from, from the eternity that is in front of each and every one of us, speaking into our lives that you made us and that you made us for relationship. But we ask that you would guide us, Lord, now to respond to you. We ask for this in Jesus' name.